American football in Finland. The voice in your ears is perfect purpose, and this is American football in Finland. Today, I'm joined once again by my co-host, Coach Q. What's going on, Q? Hey, what's going on, Perf? We got a good show today, guys. Just me and Q holding it down, but it's still a good show. The AFF podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, American Football in Finland is currently available on more than 25 different platforms. Wherever you listen, be sure to rate us. Anything less than five stars will tell us that you are a hater. It's first down when we get a chance to start fresh and discuss whatever is on our minds. Coach Q, what do you want to talk about today, man? I want to talk about Coach Saban and his uh, spew of hatred. Oh, wow. <laughs> that yeah, that's a good one. That he has for the NIL. I think the problem is he's a little mad that now other teams, other colleges are getting these top players that he used to be guaranteed to get. That whole going to your house, sitting with your parents, that is not, that's the formality, uh, but it doesn't matter anymore now. Uh, it's who got the biggest check. I think Nick Saban had the right intentions as far as what he felt about a college athlete should be focusing on, but at the same time, people have families, they have situations. A lot of times when we play sports or we play, you know, we're doing certain things, it's for our families to, like, put our family in a better situation. So if I can go to college and make $600,000 or $700,000 a year and with a chance to go into the NFL, then I'm going to choose that, you know. It just depends on everybody's situation. What I didn't like was I felt like Nick Saban was trying to say that people just go to Alabama because it's Alabama. I've been to Tuscaloosa a lot of times. There is nothing. <laughs> Nothing but, intriguing about going to Alabama just to be in Alabama. So I feel like got, Nick Saban has perks, too, of going yeah. there. Like, obviously, it's not just, oh, you're going to go to the NFL after two years. There are perks, benefits that come with going to Alabama, too, that he didn't talk about. So uh, I think Nick Saban needs to chill out. He's a little old. Maybe the I, NIL is I'm going to talk him. about it, too. I think the NIL situation is crazy. And I, I was just listening to this on a, a different podcast because, you know, I listen to podcasts to understand what I'm doing, make myself better. And they said something interesting about, you know, if you're a high school four or five star athlete and you're coming out into college and Texas A&M is trying to recruit you and Alabama is trying to recruit you. Both these programs, honestly, if you go there, do well you probably can go to NFL if you are that caliber athlete. Now, when Nick Saban comes to you, he's going to say, you know, we are Alabama. Uh, you're going to be taught. You're going to be NFL ready in two years. You can go do your thing. And this is how we do things. You know, we do it this way. Someone from Texas A&M is going to come up to you and be like, look, man, we ain't what we used to be, but we got all this money for you. Got the NIL deal set up for you. And then you got to look at the type of players. I don't have no preference. I don't feel good or bad about what Nick Saban said. I think he just said his mind. I ain't mad at him for it, but also I don't care. It's Alabama. But I'm looking at players. Like you got to – some of these players got to be honest. If you're an NFL caliber player, if you're an NFL caliber player and you can't wait two years to get your money, then you're probably not an NFL caliber player. It is what it is. Someone like Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, I don't keep up with high school football. 
I knew about Trevor Lawrence when he was in high school, when he was a sophomore. That's how good he was. If he was still given the same opportunity with NILs that he would have had, he probably still would have went to Clemson because he was like, I'm going to get the money. And he didn't need the money. That's where it's really getting sketchy is you got these kids who have to decide, do I go to Alabama where I can, you know, wait two or three years to even become a name? Like my NIL won't be that good at Alabama. Or do I go to Jackson State where maybe I'm not playing Alabama you know, competition, but my NIL is going to be crazy and I could become the face of this organization. And mm-hmm. Nick Saban losing them guys because they, you know, a certain hue as well. Me and Q match that hue. And that's what he that's what he pissed off about is he losing those guys to NILs that he felt like it shouldn't be. Like the dudes he losing to Texas A&M, he like overall, I'm losing guys who five stars out of high school. But even on my team, they would have been a backup. So it's not that big deal. Yeah. But he was yeah. pissed off about old buddy, uh, was it Travis Hunter or whatever, that went to Jackson yeah. State. Like, he felt like he got robbed. And like you said, ain't nothing in Tuscaloosa. It used to be you go to Alabama because you have to. If I go to Alabama, I know I'm going to NFL. I have to. But there's other ways to get there. And if you're that good, you can choose where you want to go. Alabama don't have the same ring that it used to, even though they still win the championships. Personally, I think you go anywhere in the South, you're going to try to go somewhere where it's a little more, um, I don't want to say dark skin friendly, but maybe you want to go somewhere where it's not so aggressively diverse, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Tuscaloosa and Alabama is a nice area. It's not bad, but at the same time, like, I mean, I wouldn't want to go to College Station either. I don't think people know what happens in College Station, but I wouldn't want to go there either. Going somewhere like Jackson State, being around a certain a certain culture, that's not bad if you can still get money and still make it to the league. There was, what, four, maybe six, four to six uh, HBCU players selected in draft yeah. this year? Yeah. That means times are changing, so that means there's more options. And that's bad for Nick Saban because he's going to lose – some caliber, but it's not like Alabama is going to be playing those teams. Them players getting paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but them players really, I mean, they getting paid, but they also getting overpaid. Mm-hmm. Some of them getting overpaid, which is great for them because they won't be in the NFL, so they better get their money now. He's not missing out on those players, so I don't know what his big issue is, but alright, I think that was a good first down, man. Like, I, That's a good mm-hmm. topic to talk about. We might bring that back another day. Well, we probably will at some point. <laughs> the players of the week have been announced on our social media channels earlier this week, but of course, we have to talk about our picks in depth outside of the stats. So let's get into our offensive player of the week, Bryce Stancomb, quarterback from the Helsinki Roosters. This guy was 11 for 19, threw for 228, four touchdowns, and caught a touchdown on the Philly special. Q, what about his gameplay this week really stood out to you? I think Bryce started the game off uh, with a pretty nice pace. He moved the ball around to a lot of his, uh, his receivers, uh, running backs. They put it together. You know, he scored points. It's definitely a different Roosters offense, but the offense that they're running a lot of motions, uh, it works out for them. It's, it's hard for a defense to kind of zone in on what the Roosters want to do right now. Even with me watching, I was like, okay, I didn't expect you know, this much motion and this much movement, but it looks good. It works. Um, it worked against them. So, Bryce, it was a nice, I think, confident game, confidence game for him and the O-line. Just a team to get excited and 
see what they can do. It was one of those games. I think they have a lot more that they can show. But that game, Bryce definitely showed up and, and was the leader. And you could tell just by watching the game that he was in control the whole time. The offensive players is fitting for him. We finally got to see how he can play. Yeah. Again, I ain't talking about them playing a German team. But in that first game against the Steelers, there was just a lot that he wasn't able to do because of the situation. You know, it's hard sometimes, and we'll talk about it later when we talk about a different game where, you know, a quarterback, there's only so much you can do when the situation isn't set up for you to succeed. And with Bryce being new to the Roosters, obviously all eyes are on him every week. And this game, he was able to show you that, hey, kid can throw that thing. He can run that thing. And shoot, he could even catch that thing if he have to. The Philly special might be a stretch, but he kind of reminds me of Nick Foles in that aspect. When Nick Foles was good. I know Nick Foles is not the, the greatest quarterback in the world, but when Nick Foles had his runs, when he took you know, the Eagles to the championship, he was pretty damn good, but he also was very dynamic in different aspects. He was able to move things around. You saw in this game, Bryce, he hit multiple receivers. You know, he didn't just throw to one guy. Everybody got to touch the ball. He worked it in with the running game as well. They struck fast and hard. He didn't spend a lot of time wasting time on, you know, let's take the safe throw or keep it down here, work our way. Like, hey, we here, let's score. Mm -hmm. It was good to see that. And he, he brought that kind of leader mentality to the team. So definitely great to see him uh, win that award this week. Next up, we have defensive player of the week. We'll stay at Helsinki, but we'll go to the Wolverines. Defensive lineman, Ville Velosti, who had two tackles and one tackle for loss. And that's because I think the stats are wrong because I know he had at least one sack. I seen him make a sack. I know he had yeah. another tackle for loss and a sack. But when I looked up the stats, they didn't credit him with a sack. So, Ville, if you're listening, you need to go talk to somebody, bro. They cheating you. Um, if you watch the game, you know he had a sack. Outside of the, the stats, number 98 was a presence. He was in the backfield as much as a running back from the Crusaders. Like, this guy was around. I really wish <laughs> – this is just me wanting to have way too much going on, guys. But if we had, you know, QB hits – QB hurries, that type of stuff, he would be all on the stat sheet. Very like Aaron Donald type presence from the DN position. He was always around the ball, always around the quarterback. And that type of pressure, it impacts the game. There was times where, you know, his presence helped someone else get a sack. And, you know, mm -hmm. someone else like, you know, Benji, J-Mo, they show up in the stats. But Ville was the reason they got that sack. Ville put mm -hmm. pressure, made the quarterback move, and boom, he gets sacked from the other side or something like that. Obviously, it works in tandem, but he was just really dominant, and he looks he looks so good out there. Like mm. the number ninety eight looked, I, I thought that was gonna look weird on him, but he look he looks big. He looks I'm not gonna say NFL size, but he looks like you know a, a German league player playing in the Maple League. If that makes any mm. sense to anybody that know football, but what did you think about him in this one? I thought the same thing. I was just about to say he had a presence. His pass rushing tackles for loss. I think he'll be the sack leader this year. I honestly feel like he will be. If he stays healthy, he will definitely be the sack leader this year. I don't see anybody stopping but him. But they got to get his stats right. They got to get his stats right. Yeah. Yeah, they got to get his stats right. Because he had a sack in that game. To, you can see, if you watch the game, you can see his presence was there. The other, the, His other teammates love him. Like, they love him. Obviously, he's the guy on, on the front seven. Yes. When you're, when, you, when you're playing with a guy like that, 
everybody else can be a lot more comfortable and a lot more aggressive when you know you have a D-line who most of the time is not going to get blocked by one person. Yeah. So that helps out um, the rest of the D-line. It helps out the linebackers when they're when they're dropping the DBs. Kind of interchanges. The DBs help him out. When you have good DBs like they do, the quarterback has to hold the ball longer. He has to pat the ball. My coaching college always said if you pass the ball two times, it's a sack. So I think the Wolverines uh, – have something very, very special in VLA. He showed why in this game. And it's, it's going to be more to come. But he's definitely the defensive player of the week. I mean, it's, he's probably the most dominant player in, in the Maple League right now on the defense side of the ball. And, and it's just the first game. So, yeah. um, VLA, it was kudos to him for the presence that he had in the game. Welcome to Inside the Numbers with Chris Green. Now, this is the part of the show where we take a look at my top five best stat lines of the week. Now, you got to be special to be in this, and you got to put something on film. Remember, show me something. Now, let's get into it. Number five, I have Atu Mikkonen of the Helsinki Roosters, running back, had 13 carries, a buck 33, and one TD on the ground. Number four, we have wide receiver Imerick Nickel, also of the Helsinki Roosters. He had four catches on the day. 105 yards through the air, and two TDs. Number three, we have Tavi Arompa. You guessed it, another Helsinki Rooster player, this time on the defensive side, with eight solo tackles, seven assists, two TFLs, a forced fumble, and a sack. Ridiculous stat line for that defender. Number two, we got the man, the myth, the legend, quarterback of the Helsinki Wolverines, Jabari Harris. He was 10 of 17, for 143, and he had five TDs through the air. Also, he had 10 carries for 64 yards on the ground. That boy was eaten. And then number one is Bryce Stancombe, quarterback, Helsinki Roosters. He was 11 of 19 for 228, four TDs through the air. But not only that, he had one rush TD and one reception TD. I see you, Bryce. Keep proving me wrong, brother. I love the stat line. And that's it for Inside the Numbers. If you want to make my top five, show me the proof. Put it on film and show me what you got. Join me next week for Inside the Numbers. Are you looking for quality football apparel and accessories at an affordable price? Rare Athletics is made for players by players. Head over to rare.se and get your drip today. That's R-E-Y-R-R dot S-E. And use code AFF20 to receive 20% off all rare brand products. Stay sharp. Let's talk about some of the key player performances that may not have been highlighted in the stat sheet this week. Coach Q, who is somebody you saw this weekend that, you know, really stood out outside just the numbers? It was a few guys, but my, my main guy was uh, Matias Tormanen, number 34 for the Helsinki Wolverines. Caught two touchdown passes from Jabari. I think he showed that he's a one-on-one guy. Playing with certain guys gives a lot of the finished guys confidence to make those same plays, and I think he definitely was one of them. I don't think anybody on the Crusaders thought that Jabari would go to him as much as he did, um, but now I see why, and now they see why. Like, you can't slip on this team offensively. Yeah, you see R.J. back kind of had a chill game trying to get back into the, the, the groove of things. But then guys like Matias, who you didn't necessarily expect 
Uh, maybe his team did, but I didn't expect him to to do what he did. And he could have had a third one. Yeah. Uh, Jabari missed him one time. So it would have been a nice, uh, nice stat game for him. Uh, but he just surprised me. I like to see those young and upcoming uh, Finnish players that that look promising. And he was one of those guys this weekend. I think that his his, his level or his ceiling is real, real high. I'm just excited to see what he does for the rest of the season. But starting the first game and coming out with two touchdowns, that's, that's amazing. And that's what you want from your local guys as well. Crazy part about Matthias is I know him personally. So, you know, after the game, you know, I went to go say hi to him. The first thing this kid says, I say kid, I think he's 18, maybe 19, mm-hmm. very young. First thing this kid says to me, I should have had two more, bro. Like, that's the first <laughs> thing. Like, he didn't say hi. He said, I should have had two more, bro. That's the type of competitor he is. And crazy thing is he's one of them guys that, you know, he doesn't have that normal finished persona about him there's a little bit of swagoo in this guy um you can see it on the field the way he played one thing i wanted to talk about this and i don't know if i'll get into it when we actually talk about the games but they put our boy cedric johnson out at cornerback against him in the second half when they got in the red zone because everybody kind of knew that they were probably going to go to this kid because they were starting to put in backups but he was still in so the unc put cedric in there and i'm gonna call it how i seen it he won he he beats it, and the, the pass was a little off. Um, that's Rasmus Lalo's fault. The pass was off, so he didn't get the touchdown. That's probably the third one he was talking about because mm. the pass was, like, behind him. So, Sid got a hand on it, which made him look good, but he was two yards in front of Sid in the back of the end zone. Mm. So, that's the type of player you, you're playing against. I know we don't talk about Cedric Johnson as a defensive back. He's not a defense, but he's an athlete, and you know what it is. Yeah. If you're an yeah. athlete – and you can play that type of game. He's that type of guy. So if you can get open against somebody like that, it really shows what his potential could be in this league. And he's he's a name we're going to keep saying. I feel like it's a name that we definitely will keep saying throughout the, the year. I feel like I'm talking way too much about this one person, but I also want to say that, like you said, we love watching these young guys rise up. Like this year, we're definitely going to have a rising star award you know someone who's under 21 who maybe we don't put them on the all-star team but we we say hey we recognize what you're doing but one thing that just jumped out when you were talking about you know we love watching these young guys you know develop in the league last year you had the kid at Porvu who was like 15 got his first maple league touchdown he was doing big things and now we're looking at matthias what's the common denominator the quarterback jabari harris Mm -hmm. Just to throw something out about this guy, you know, Jabari, he's looking to make a legacy. Only way you can do a, have a legacy is if you can bring other players up. You can't rely on, you know, import receivers every year, but he's mm-hmm. making these young kids. He's working with them in the offseason. And that's how that's why he trusts somebody like Matthias. Them two have been working since last winter. They've been in there grinding. That's proof of it right here is this young kid is already looking like he's going to, you know, take this league by storm. But moving to another person that I had my eyes on, same game, actually, looking on the other side. You know, UNC wasn't a great game. It is what it is. But I, I want to give this guy some hope. They had the number 12 player, Matias Castano. I think he's the import from Spain. I could be wrong. I really I didn't do too much research into who he is. But this guy was everywhere for that team. Now, as a receiver – he was good. He wasn't great, but he was good. He's got speed that definitely he can compete in this league. Getting open is just hard when, you know, the quarterback has no time. 
quarterback just throwing the ball up and hoping that the receiver can get to it. He had a couple of plays where it looked like, you know, it might have been pass interference or something like that, but he was always active. And then on the defensive side, I don't even know what position he was playing. I just know he was always around the ball. This guy was always around the ball. I just kept seeing the number 12. This is why I don't know what his stats. They probably weren't great because, you know, their team didn't do that well in the game. But number 12, you knew he was on this field the whole time. He never came off this field. He was everywhere for this team. And that's the type of guys that this team, the UNC Crusaders, will need in this season. So as long as Matthias Castano is on this team, y'all might have a chance to, you know, upset somebody during this season. Just keep guys like him motivated to go out there every week and ball. Because number 12, Matthias Castano, I really hope I'm saying your name right. I keep trying to say it. But um, you, you did really good out there. We're watching you. I saw you. My eyes were on you, man. Two guys that we really that really stood out. It's a little weird that we focus on this one game, but you know it is what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's plenty of football going on in the world right now, and here's some of the top stories of football outside of the Maple League. Let's first let's talk women's Maple League this weekend. The Helsinki Wolverines beat. The loyal line is very bad. 82 to 6. 82 to 6. I was able to watch this game and just a couple of things I want to say about it. The Wolverines were just way better than the Lionesses. SC Soderholm was unstoppable early, but eventually the running back, Marty Oscula, she was unstoppable as well. Both of these players had over 200 something yards rushing. I think Yaskula had 290 and Essie had 250. Like it, it was crazy. But Essie only had like seven carries. And then also the the third person to carry the ball, the number 10, I can't remember her name, she did really good as well. <laughs> so pretty much the Wolverines had 702 total offensive yards with 650 coming from rushing. Like, they just ran the ball repeatedly as they wanted to against this team. Well, this team just didn't look like they are on the same level as the Wolverines. They just looked, like, slower, not as physical, and really just less football savvy than the other team they were playing. This is one of those games where you kind of can see that either maybe Loya shouldn't be in this top league right now, or maybe the Wolverines are just way too good to be in this league. I really think it's the, the lawyers shouldn't be in the league. I think they actually came in second in Division One last year. I don't think they're the team that won it. I think the Saints won it last year, but both teams moved up, I guess, just to make this a full league. It's just one of those situations when you watch the game, you're just like, they should not be playing this team. It's a whole mm-hmm. other level. But also the Wolverines looked really good, so it's crazy. The second game that happened this weekend was West Coast Phoenix took on Turku Trojans, and Turku Trojans won 32-20. to do not let that score fool you. At one point in this game, it was 20 to 20. And the West Coast Phoenix had just made a, I want to say a 12-point comeback. Because I think it was 12, it was 20 to 6 at some point. So it was that 14-point comeback. So they had to like make two-point conversions and everything. After the Trojans basically got up by those two touchdowns, their offense just kind of stalls. They have a very good pass and run a little bit offense. But the Phoenix team was able to just, you know, make big plays when they needed to and keep staying in the game. After watching the game, I never thought, like, the Phoenix 
would win, but the Trojans just let them hang around. But eventually, Yona Hakarinen and and Suvi Partinen, they hooked up on a big, a big 73-yard play where Suvi was running. And Suvi's not slow, but I wouldn't necessarily call her fast. So it always felt like as she was running, you know how those long runs are. Mm. you like, okay, eventually she'll get caught. But she finished strong. So kudos to uh, Suvi Partinen for that 73-yarder. Because I think she caught it at probably about like 20, 25 yards. And the other 50, she had to just skate. And West Coast Phoenix girls are very fast. They have a lot of speed on their side of the ball. So that was good. And then they got up by that one touchdown, but then a pick six from Leah Kazis playing defense for the Turku Trojans, put a dagger in it, and that was it. Like, Phoenix just didn't have nothing left from that. But it was a really good game. The score may, makes it look like it might have been a blowout, but it was actually a really good game and exciting to watch as well. Two very good teams. West Coast Phoenix doesn't get enough credit for being a good team because they they usually are on the losing end. Unlike the game I, I talked about previously, they're not losing because they're just outmatched. It's one of those, you know, here or there, and they could have won the game type stuff. So very good game. The third game of the weekend in the women's Maple League is the McLeay Bouncers versus Tampa the Saints. Unfortunately, at the time that we're recording this, they are playing that game. So I don't know who won. I will watch the game afterwards, but we won't talk about it on the podcast. Sorry. Also talking about the women's pick that we do online. Right now, Ellie is 5-0. Becky is 4-1. and And I'm 4-1. and And then we'll find out who got right on the last win to see who's winning that. The group that we have doing the women's pick we're doing a bet with our pick Winner gets free beer from the other two people. So that's how we're going to do that. So we'll show you some of that stuff online as we get closer to the bet and who's going to win. Uh, let's talk about the Sweden Super Serum. Yesterday, well, this weekend, Orbo Black Knights played against Terrace Royal Crowns. Black Knights got the win 26 to 20. This was another game where the score is a little bit misleading because this game was tight the entire time. I'm not sure if there was any back and forth with the scoring. I think the Black Knights pretty much were always ahead, but I do know it was tied 20 to 20. Mm. And then in the fourth quarter, the Black Knights had a, a couple of big plays that helped them score and get ahead. But this game could have went any way, especially for Tiraso. They had so many opportunities to – actually tie this back up and the refs were on their side. There was some weird calls in this game against the Black Knights, who were the home team. So that's what was weird about it. But Black Knights get the win, which makes the Super Saiyan in Sweden a little murky about the seeding. I think the last time these two teams played, Tiraso won the game. So mm. now you got a one and one. So points and who won who beat who was going to come into effect in that four-team league as they look at the the seeding going into the playoffs because that's going to be a big deal who's the home team who's the away team the second game is supposed to be played is Stack crusaders versus stockholm mean machines but that won't be played again until tonight on sunday again we'll record early on sunday so that game will be played later so i'm not talking about it today uh, this next section, I want to talk a little bit about the international competitions. The GFL season openers happened this weekend. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, man, I've been waiting to see this. Kind of see what, what teams offer. I want to see how good the unicorns are, really are. Um, and some of the other, you know, New Yorker, some of those guys that, that are normally strong in the GFL, see if they lost players to the ELF 
kind of seeing where, where the German league is going to go now. Uh, that's important. So I think uh, it'll be nice to see some of these GFL teams just get back out there and, and show what they got now, uh, being that the ELF kind of took away a lot of the players that played there. But there's some 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 strong German teams still without those players. So it'll be nice to see what, what exactly that league has to offer right now. I'm a little intrigued about the GFL, but from what I saw, there's a lot of like blowouts going all through Germany. So I don't even know how it's going to shake out this year. There's some good teams. Like you said, Schwabers Hall always, always comes to mind. Dresden and Potsdam. Those are teams that people want to see. I, I'm going to opt out this year, guys. I'm going to watch, but I'm not going to watch if that makes any sense. You know, I'm keeping yeah. my you know ear to the ground. You, if you see something cool, you know, let me know. If you hear something, let me know. But uh, I'm just gonna wait till the playoffs and then go from there. That's how I feel about it. I'll wait till June when the EF, the ELF starts. Just seems to be a little bit more competitive overall. If that makes any yeah. sense, the GFL has now expanded to so many teams that the level of competition is sporadic. We're trying not to get that at Finland. Also, in, in Italy this week, they played their Week 11 games. That league is – they're getting ready for playoffs, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Milano Seaman obviously look like the best team, but everybody was playing for second. You got Parma Panthers, Ancona Dolphins, even Medina Vipers look okay. Uh, who else? There's another team I'm missing. Oh, <laughs> Guelphy. They obviously look like they're going to be, you know, in the mix for – playing against the Seamen in the championship. That's all I got internationally. Anything you see internationally you want to throw out here before we get off? No, that was that was my biggest thing. You know, I'm a, I follow Luke um, yeah. with the Milano Seamen anyway, so he's a nice guy. I talk to him sometimes. You know, they're they're having a great season out there. And they're going to the ELF, so I think, I think they'll hold it down as far as their league. Um, so, yeah, it's just I'm, – I'm just excited that, you know, it's more football being played every weekend now. So, yeah. um, I, we, we don't have to be bored now. <laughs> I think the ELF, I think my initial idea was, you know, let it do its thing, see how it goes. I think if they they have room for one more team next year, I think obviously the team you put in should be Schwabers Hall. But if not, either way, I think 2023, their third season, if they make it to that third season, that's a league that I'd be, you know, interested in watching more heavily than I am right now over the GFL that I used to enjoy you know keeping tabs on but that's international and outside of maple league stuff for you guys if you're listening to my voice you're now part of the aff community but don't be shy about supporting us head over to our website and order some aff swag get a t-shirt for this beautiful summer weather or a comfy hoodie you can rock all year long and if you really want the drip scoop up one of our limited edition snapback caps Everything you need to represent the AFF community can be found on our website at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash merch. Okay, so we all know what happened in the games, so we're not going to repeat the scores. I really I don't even care about the scores anymore because we're going to talk about what happened in the games. And let's talk about win or loss, Roosters versus Eagles. I don't know why we phrased this segment this way. Did one team win or did one team lose? <laughs> because I always feel like it's both anyways. But if I if I have to choose one for the Roosters-Eagles, I'm going to say that the Eagles lost. And again, it's not a slight to the Roosters. It's not like saying, like, hey, you didn't do what you had to do. But first Maple League game, 
First of all, let me talk about the aftermath of the game. The Eagles scored one touchdown. Their social media was loving it after the game. Like they had just won the, the damn Super Bowl. Oh, first Maple League touchdown in history. First time scoring. We made history. You got your ass beat. You got your ass beat. Got it handed to you. And you're talking about history. I have a problem with that. And the problem I have with that is celebrating mediocrity. Yeah, there's some things that are milestones. Scoring your first touchdown in the league is an individual milestone. Now, if that receiver, and I think he did talk about it online, like that's a great accomplishment for him individually. But as a team, you don't celebrate that type of stuff. You don't celebrate only scoring one touchdown when the other team scored 45. Like you don't celebrate that. You can't because that's just not the way that, that's not competitive. That's just kind of giving up on it. And in this game, I feel like the Eagles lost because my question last week was what are you going to do when it gets tough? And it got tough early. It got tough really early for this team, and they just said, okay, we're done. That's it. We're, we're, we lost. We, we're not going to do anything about it. Just notes I got on the scene, like this Eagles offense, vanilla, like ice cream. <laughs> this offense was the most basic offense I ever seen. If you were playing Madden and you did like the slim down playbook or something, where they only give you like four formations and you only get three plays for each form, like, they did some basic stuff against a team they knew were going to be physically better. Mm. Everyone knows if you can't beat somebody straight up, you got to, you know, out scheme them, do something. I saw nothing. They didn't do anything to make me think that, okay, they had thought about this game. Like at this point, if we're in this situation, we're going to do this, this, and this. No, they lined up, ran plays. They ran a really predictable zone play action where the fullback and the receivers would let you know if it's a pass or run because they would either block or not block. The fullback goes across on the on the zone read and just avoids the defender. Well, then the linebacker just guards him man-to-man, and he's not open because he don't even act like he's blocking. He just runs mm-hmm. by. And then when he actually goes to block him, he, he goes and blocks him. Okay, I know the play. They already have eight people in the box because y'all's formations don't spread anybody out. And then the receivers do the same thing. If it's a pass play, they sprint off and run a route. It's a run play. They go and try to block the corner in front of them. It's like, come on, guys. This is this is the Maple League. This is the Maple League. You can't do that type of stuff. I feel really bad because, you know, the Eagles are the team I like, but this is going to be a tough one to hear, guys. You got no number one receiver out there. Not one of those receivers threatened the Rooster secondary. They could just go man and then put eight in the box and stop your run game. That was it. The receivers that they do have, this reminded me of when – when Chris Foyer played with the Wolverines a couple seasons ago, the receivers weren't on the same page as the quarterback. A lot of overthrows by Chris Foyer, and I really want to say not overthrows by him, but more like underrunning by the receivers. Is that a thing? <laughs> you, you got guys running the hitch, hitch and go, which was wide open, but the receiver, instead of throttling down on his hitch, he stopped. And then had mm. to start again, so the ball beat them by two yards. Because who runs mm-hmm. a hitch and go like that? Someone who don't know how to run it. Someone who's not a number one receiver. And that's what they were missing. And so, you know, Chris makes the throw. It's too long. You know, the average person might say, oh, it's quarterback's fault. No, it's a play. It's not a, a made-up play. He knows where to put the ball and when to put it, and he did. The receiver ran a bad route. And that happened a lot in this game. You saw a lot of receivers just not getting where they need to be in spots. And – Chris has a big arm, so he's throwing it downfield, and that's what happened. They, they just didn't have anybody that he could get the ball to. 
I think we said this before the season that this was going to be a problem, and it was a problem. <laughs> Their run game wasn't bad. It's just the pass game wasn't going to make up for it. Their run game, they were able to, you know, first, second down, they get three, four yards. So you're in, in third and, and six, third and seven. It's not great, but if you have some type of pass game, you get three or four yards. They were getting nothing. So even on fourth down, if you're a team that's outmatched on fourth down, if it's fourth and two, sometimes you go for it, right? Because you're like, mm-hmm. we got to make something happen. They never had that chance because it would never be fourth and two. It would always be fourth and six. Like they would, because once they got the third down, their drives were over. That passing game was not going to do anything because it was too predictable. First of all, you can't do a play action on third down. So then what are you going to do? You're just going to line up and beat them with your receivers, who I just said don't have a number one receiver, and they wasn't able, mm-hmm. weren't able to do it. It goes back to the offense, though, this vanilla offense. You got Chris Forcier. If you don't have any receivers, you got to have more designed run plays for that quarterback. That guy can move. Yeah, He scrambled a few times, but it was like he's scrambling when it's like third and long. And it's like, uh, he's not going to put his body to die to get that first down because he's a smart guy. He's an older quarterback, but also who else they got? So you can't put him in that situation and hope that he's going to, you know, save you. But if, you know, first or second down, you got a design run for him. With the team that they have, with all them little running backs that are built like bowling balls, just do a sprint out and let him run a sweep and have them little bowling balls lead block for him. You're going to get five sure. yards on first down. <laughs> yeah. And then you're in a, you know, second and five, third and five at worst, and you can work from it. But this offense just wasn't, it wasn't built to progress the ball. It's like a very basic offense that's easy to stop if you have better players, which let's be honest, guys, every time they play somebody this year, they're probably going to play a team with better players, except for UNC. They got to fix that somehow. Offensively, I mean, ooh, I could talk for days. I'm trying not to talk. One thing that really stood out was the delay of game penalties that they had on offense. Like, they never just got to play off in time. They had a lot of delay of games. We put them behind, and they weren't able to pass. They were they were run-based offense. So it's like those – that doesn't match. Like, you can't give the play call in late or call the plays in late if you need to be ahead of the sticks. And they never really got ahead of the sticks in this game. On the defensive side, whew, I feel like I, I'm trying not to ramble too negatively. Okay, look, Jamarcus Henderson, defensive end, import guy. He was good. He looked really good. He was very active in this game. I would say he was able to put more pressure if he wasn't always double teamed because the Roosters were able to have a lineman block him and then have the running back block him. And no one else like stood up and like made them pay for that double team situation. Mm-hmm. But what I did see from him is he he still was able to get to the ball. He was making plays. He chased down the ball well, which means if they play a team that doesn't have the same setup as the Roosters, like the Roosters running backs were very good in chip blocking and helping out with that. Not everybody's going to have that. So when you play other teams and with his motor, he ended up playing offense as well. So when they play other teams, this guy might be a difference maker for that defense. But outside mm-hmm. of him, that defense, Swiss cheese, nothing but holes in it. Couldn't guard anybody, couldn't tackle anybody. They never gave up any resistance to the Roosters' offense in this entire mm-hmm. game. The DBs were outmatched all game, and then they looked outmatched. Like you saw these DBs just running and just putting their heads down. You saw they weren't looking at, at anybody or yelling or blaming anybody because they were like, 
I knew I was going to lose. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> like, they just, like, put their head down and walked off. You see them chasing after people with the ball, and, and you can tell they're not actually trying to make the play. They're just, oh, let me just, you know, run and make it look like I can't. Like, you could tell that they were acting. And that's what their defense looked like. It looked like it had no chance whatsoever, and they never – I don't know if there was anything defensively they could do scheme-wise. I'm not sure there's a lot they could have done to, you know, mix it up, but they didn't. It don't look like they tried anything. I didn't see anything that was like, oh, man, that's a crazy idea. No, they just lined up and got beat and took it. That's what really pissed me off about this game. They they lined up and just took the ass, the ass whooping. Last thing I'm going to say, I haven't talked about how good the Roosters played because I feel like the Eagles lost. Last thing I'm going to say about this, this Eagles squad was – they should probably practice special teams. First punt was blocked on their side of the 50, set up a score. Second punt, it went about 30 yards in the air, about 10 yards downfield. So they gave the Roosters the ball inside their own 30, and they're down 14-0, just like that, without even really giving their defense a chance. Like, your starting defense is in the red zone. Field position is real, guys. This is the Maple League. You got to give your team a chance, and the Eagles didn't do that. They didn't give their team a chance to win in any phase of the game. It just made it really tough. I'm upset that they lost the game the way that they lost it, and that's what really upsets me. I want to talk about how good the Roosters were. It just it's not even worth it. The Roosters, y'all played really good, and I loved it. Eagles, y'all better do better. Q, any extra you want to throw on that one? No, you said it all, man. <laughs> Moving on, because I'm getting real emotional about this game. Let's go to the Wolverines versus UNC Crusaders. And Q, I'll let you take this one. You tell me, did the Wolverines win this thing or did UNC lose it? I think Wolverines won this game. Yeah. Outright. They needed, I won't say they needed this win, but obviously first game, you want to come out and get you a win. See what you see what you have. You know, Coach Manley actually had a chance to see how his team, the way it moves, the way it, it communicates together. Yes, they have a lot of names. Yes, they have a lot of people that we know about. So I'm not going to talk about them. It was more so a game to kind of polish and get yourself ready for next week, in my opinion. I think the Wolverines were probably excited to be playing again, but they have a, a bigger game coming next week in this game. So I didn't expect UNC to really – I didn't expect them to make them fight hard for this game because I know the depth problem that UNC has uh, with, with players. I just wanted to see UNC maybe show a little more uh, that they've been practicing together. And yeah. I don't think I've really seen that. I've seen some some good plays from some good players. But as a unit, if they plan on you know competing in the Maple League, they're going to have to make some adjustments. And I think they should do it early and not so much later. But I think the Wolverines... Uh, you know, led by Jabari, they they look, you know, pretty good. I've seen some sloppy plays. Jabari missed a few times, but he still had a good statistical game for the most part. His running is is what's going to hurt a lot of people. So the Wolverines have a lot of weapons. As far as I know, they're still getting players in. So we haven't even seen the full Wolverines team or squad yet on the field. But this first game was was impressive. Yes, it was against, against UNC, and that's not a slight to UNC, but you kind of expect certain things to happen when you're playing against teams that kind of don't have the depth to compete with teams like this. But the Wolverines won. They did everything they needed to do to win the game. They didn't have to do too much on offense. They stuck with a lot with the zone read. I think that'll be big for them. I think that'll be big for them. Jabari, they have to stick with that zone read because it's going to open up the path. Sometimes you might get two yards in the cloud of dust, but then sometimes you're going to get that 60-yard play from the quarterback or the running back. 
So I feel like the Wolverines should stick with that, not try to get too pretty, not try to do too much. You have the players on offense. You, you probably got the best secondary uh, next, I, I won't say next to Corpio, but I think the Wolverines probably have the best secondary in the league right now, paper, or at least on paper. I so disagree. We'll we'll I just want, I want to put that out that's, there. I, that's, that's I strongly I, I, disagree. I, I, and, the, and the reason, and the reason I'm saying I think they have the best secondary is because if you go to the DB that made the most plays in this game was Arthur. True. Uh, true. That's my he, guy. You look at that and, and, and I say, okay, I look at each position that they have Slater. He's going to do his thing. Slater didn't get tried, I don't think, once in this game. Smart smart by the other team. Smart by UNC not to really go there because we know what he, he can do. Yeah. Uh, I just I just think that the Wolverines have the potential. They have the potential to be a very, very dominant team this season. And if they keep playing and better like they played in this game, I think they'll have a, a great chance. So I think Wolverines won the game. I, I mean, it's not too much to talk about as far as that. They ran up scored. Um, it should have been worse. But, you know, first game kinks. You kind of knock those off and then get ready for the next week. They got a big game next week, so we'll see. Um, but right now, kudos to the Wolverines. I can enjoy it for a day. I promise you guys, I'm taking it easy today. I'm trying not to let this cough get to me. I like what you said about their defensive backfield, and I just want to throw a shout-out to the number 10 that played corner in this game, Tuomas Altonen. That's my guy. That's a lot to guy, just in case y'all don't know. He was out there doing his thing. He held it down opposite of R2. If Elmery comes back, then you're talking real business. Tuomas is, is a serviceable player as well he did really good in this game but again y'all know who got the best defensive backs you know in the league (laughs) just throwing shade i just want to say what i loved about this game was the very beginning the wolverines captains walk out onto that field wearing those sponsor hats wearing that booster looking real good guys (laughs) that for that coin talk that's boss move i like that i like that a lot and then the last thing I want to say about this game was that I was at the game, you know, trying to, you know, get in the vibe of what's going on. I counted UNC had 12 guys on their bench, 12. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not in the organization. I'm not, you know, associated with any team, SAJL, anything like that. But I would like to know, and someone let me know, send me a message, uh, hit me in the DMs at Perfect Purpose, if this is something that teams get fined for or will they have to, pay a penalty or something because I think you're you have to at least have 25 players right to play yeah is that a rule or something and it, the number could be different I could be wrong maybe it's 30 players but dip, those 12 guys on the bench at least five or six of those guys had no intentions of actually going in the game so a lot of them guys were just there for depth that's an issue the reason I say it's an issue is because I was there after the game. I talked to the quarterback from UNC. He comes from, you know, playing in regional leagues in Germany and stuff. And this is his experience. This is something people don't think about when they when they put teams like this together is this is his experience. When he goes back to Germany, he's going to be like, Finland was like this. Now, obviously, this ain't the situation that's going on with the Wolverines, the Roosters, the Steelers. Like, that's not their situation. But it is somebody's situation that's representing the top league in this country. So we got to do better. We have to do better because the lowest team in this division still has to represent the top league of this country. So the 12 guys on the bench, we can't let that keep riding. We have to find something. If some of you guys are playing in Division One, it doesn't start till July, and you want to go help a team out, you know, go to Loya. Go find out what they can do for you. 
I heard they got a little bit of money. I don't know. Maybe you can, you know, make a come up. Yeah. Either way, that's just the only thing I got to say about those games. Definitely the Wolverines won. Third game would be the Crocs versus the Butchers. And Q, I'm going to let you take this one too. Which one of them won and which Ooh. one of them won? This is tough. A game decided by a field goal. And I'm going to throw in my shade first. A game played poorly by both sides. Poorly. Who won? Who lost? Ultimately, yeah, Crocs won. My eyes, I wouldn't hang my head on anything from that game from each team. Like, yes, the Crocs get the W as far as the wins column. The Crocs won the game. They get the W in the win column. But it wasn't an impressive win. It wasn't yeah. the first game that I expected. I expected a lot more on from the offensive uh, side of the ball. I hope the Crocs don't plan on doing what they're doing now all season because Powell will be – I know he's a strong guy, but that's a lot. You know, that's a lot. I don't know if they're planning on bringing some other guys in to maybe help on offense. I've seen that they do have um, some possible weapons at the at the receiver position, but they might be going both ways. So that that brings up a concern. But Porvo, they have a, run, a running back quarterback kind of option too. So I've seen some some good things from both sides of, of Porvo, from both sides of the Crocs. But I can't tell you which team is the better team right now. I'm jumping in. I said I wasn't going to jump in. I'm jumping <laughs> in. This game, this is what, remember last week, did we do questions? I didn't have a question for this game because it was exact. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what I said it was going to be. Powell versus Dallas Cowboys. The Butchers allowing the Crocodiles to drive down the field, getting field goal rank. Like, there was nine seconds left, and you let them throw an out route. They had no timeouts. All you had to do was make sure they threw it in the middle of the field and you win because there's not enough time for them to get down there and spike the ball. That's all you had to do. They have no timeouts and you let them throw an out route. Uh, Out route, just stand on the sidelines and make them go inside of you where everybody else is. They let them throw an out route so they can get that kickoff. That's some Dallas Cowboy type stuff. Ain't that what the Cowboys do? You know, get to the playoffs, Tony Romo fumbles the ball and then they don't they don't win a the game they're supposed to win. That's what the butchers are the Dallas Cowboys. So I just want to throw this out here. Brandon Gwinner, quarterback for the Port of Butchers, seven for 24 passing. Seven mm. for 24. I don't want to do the math, but that's like less than 30-something percent, right? Yeah. That's okay. Old. Zach Whitehead, quarterback for Sinayoki Crocodiles. Six for 21 passive. Six for 21. Let's Quick math, that's less than six for 18. So, that's, again, that's less than 30% from both of these quarterbacks. And my upsetness is why? Why have Zach Whitehead throw the ball 21 times? <laughs> Christian Paul still had 18 carries, and, you know, it is what it is. But I still say if Christian Paul would have had 30, I would have felt more comfortable. I would have felt more comfortable. This is one of those things that Chris Green talked about previously as well as do what you're good at crocodiles but don't try to get away from what you're good at this team they got away from it you got to lean on chris Powell until you can find somebody that can help you you don't have mm-hmm. someone that can help you if zach whitehead is going six for 21 i'll tell you one thing between zach whitehead and brandon Gwinner, it ain't the quarterback that ain't the problem for neither one of these teams mm-hmm. those are two very good quarterbacks i would never say that it's the quarterback from either one of those two teams you've seen both of them play they can throw the ball 
But what's happening? Receivers aren't open. Ball's getting dropped. Then hand it off to this machine of a man and then go find some new quarter, some new receivers. Tell them to earn it in practice. They're getting reps in the games. They probably didn't earn in practice. Now, hats off to Sarkula. He did his thing on a couple of plays, but a couple don't don't change the outcome of this game. And a big thing – okay, this last thing. Okay, I, I know. I said I wasn't going to talk about it. This last thing. The big <laughs> thing that stood out for the Crocodiles is – I think the Crocodiles looked like they they showed flashes of, you know, what a playoff team could be. The Butchers, y'all play like the Dallas Cowboys. That's all it was. Crocodiles, yeah. I saw things that, that made me hopeful. The way they ran offense, it was pretty balanced if you think about it. You know, you had 27 runs, 20-something passes. Pretty balanced, which is what we said they need to do. They just didn't have the execution in the passing game that we want. And that's just us being greedy. For them, they probably look at this game as like, you know, a couple of changes here. You know, that the halfback pass, that was a touchdown. The first time, it was great, great call by the offensive coordinator. Great execution by Christian Powell to get that thing and throw it out there to a wide open receiver. Receiver ran the route right. Somebody was holding. Now, in this game, that didn't come back to bite you in the ass. If you're trying to be a playoff team or if you're trying to get to the Maple Bowl, those little things are going to be the difference, being able to make those big plays. Because this team, if they have a couple of big plays here and there, they don't pass it so much because they don't feel like they have to. And then they can rely on their run game. They have other running backs who can run the ball. It don't have to be Christian Paul. Even Zach can run it a little bit if they want him to. I know he's got injuries issues and stuff, but oh, it was just two bad teams playing, man. Yeah. Two bad teams playing. And I, I say that as, as many positives I say about the Crocodiles, I think they're a bad team right now. I think they're going to be a good team. I still think this is a playoff team. And I think the Butchers are the Cowboys. But it was two bad teams playing, but at least it was close and people enjoyed that it was – Ended with a field goal. The fact mm-hmm. that they kicking all these field goals was a problem for me, but that'll get me into a whole nother situation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm now joined by Helsinki Wolverines head coach Michael Mattini. Coach, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Everything's going good here after Friday, so can't complain. Thank you for coming on the show, first and foremost. So, as you said, first game on Friday first game in the books, first win. How do you feel that uh, you executed your game plan going into that game? You know, pretty much what we wanted to do. We didn't want to show too much, just kind of executed, you know, our basic playbook, offense and defense. Um, Didn't have to do a whole lot. They kind of, you know, did what we had expected, but we executed pretty well. A few mistakes on my end. Um, Play calling towards the end zone with our backups. I wanted the 50-burger bad. I made some bad uh, bad choices but besides that it was a pretty clean game all around from us mm. so you, you kind of touched on that already but my next question was did you have to make any kind of major adjustments during the game or were they just giving you what you expected to see yeah as i said the game was what we expected but they did start kind of creeping showing blitzes and backing off and coming back a little different than what they did last year um so that was just uh when we saw that pretty early, that was just the first, second quarter thing. Um, talking with Jabari and the offensive line, how he wanted to, to block it, who was, you know, their main target, who was coming more than everybody else. Um, but besides that, it, was, it was, wasn't much else that we, we weren't expecting to see, but they did kind of throw us off there a bit, just kind of putting six, seven guys in the box. When last year, they were a little more spread out, you could say. 
So who do you feel stood out for you in this opening game? Any of your players? Ooh, um, well, Mr. Long only played a half, RJ, and Emos is still recovering from an ankle sprain. So I'd, I'd give it to our whole finished wide receiver group, all four of the guys um, that were there, caught passes, even our tight end, Asco. So that whole group uh, probably would get my nod. Um, and then defense, um, Billy and me, Ralph Spirta, uh, number 49, he had a few nice plays, that early interception. Um, he, he's been getting better and better ever since he came back last year. So that offensive group of receivers, tight ends, and then Billy and me on the defensive side, and of course our entire defense, um, only giving up six points, 150 yards, I think it was, and and 70, I think, or 80 came on that last drive. Yeah, I, I, those those are the people that stood out to me the most throughout the game. Perfect. So a nice mix. A nice mix there, both yeah. offensively and defensively, which is what you yeah, expect very, as a head coach, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it was very nice to see and some guys step up and guys get their opportunity and, you know, embrace the opportunity and succeed and do well, which is what you always want to see as a coach. Yeah, it's exactly what you want, isn't it? You see guys stepping up, and it's the it's the it's great to see the younger guys and some finished guys stepping up and and making the most of their opportunity, as you said. Like it's it's a big thing. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have to agree with you. And Matthias Twomanen, for example, eighteen years old, uh, only played two games in the Maple League last year. Um, I think four catches, almost seventy yards, two touchdowns. So uh, shout out to him as well in his first Maple League you know, start and really get in action. He, he performed well for being a, a youngster. So, yeah, you hit on that for sure. Nice. Anything you feel you need to work on that maybe didn't click for you in this game, if, if you feel that anything didn't work for you? Um, on offense plays and since 2020, our last Maple Bowl season. So it's been a while for me just getting that flow of the game and figuring out what's working. Um, and But besides that, not really. Defense, like our, our second string guys and our rotators, maybe just getting them more up to speed. I know it was some of their first ever game action, which, of course, you always get jitters. You play a little slower. Um, but besides those two things, I think we did pretty well and just got to clean, you know, all the basics up. Sorry, I suppose in a game where you're, you know, dominant for most of the four quarters, well, all the four quarters, really, Nice to get yeah. those guys some reps because you, yeah. you can't really replicate game speed in practice. We, we all say we try no, to. No, you can't. It's very yep. difficult to get game reps is just such a big thing for those guys as well. So I'm sure as a head coach, yeah. you were happy with to be able to do that in this game. Oh, oh, 100%. You can clearly see what guys, what they need to work on once, as you said, you go full speed, whether it's tackling angles, you know, drops, whatever it is, um, you know, you're able, you're able to see that on film after going full speed. So now we've seen it once, you know, what each person individually and as a group we need to work on. And, you know, we'll just address those as we should as coaches and a team and make sure everybody gets better um, going into next week. Leads nicely into my next question. Looking forward to next week, you have to defend. Uh, so you have to play the defending champions, the Quapio Steelers. How are you prepare? How preparations going for this? What are you doing differently to prepare for this one? Oh, the Steelers. Well, I mean, they're you know they're a damn good team. They've won two in a row. They beat us two years ago. Um, we kind of know what to expect. They're going to pound this football. They've they've run, their offense has changed the last two years from that Seth Peters yep. RPO offense to this power football um, the play action and. Bradley, the line, the running back, the defense is good. Um, it's going to be tough for us, but we just got to lock in and, and 
proper ice. They got a lot of moving pieces, lots of motions, play actions, all that stuff. We just got to do our job, don't get lost. And um, I think if we do that, we'll be fine on defense. Um, offensively, we're kind of in, uh, I think you could say, a waiting stage, knowing that they had their French end and U.S. linebacker both have season-ending injuries. Um, I wish them yep. the best. Yep. Um, so we don't know if guys are coming in for our game. If they're not, what kind of box we'll see. Um, so that's kind of not a worry that you know offensively and who's going to be where and, and all those things so we'll just have to see what happens come saturday nice nice we as an aff podcast crew we struggle to see any weaknesses from the corpio steelers we said that traveling might be an issue for them obviously you're playing them at home aren't you so is there yeah, anything sure. you might see that you might want to attack either offensively or decent defensively or are you not going to share it with us <laughs> well Offensively for them, I mean, you just got to you got to play assignment football. Ace, they're going to torture you. So I mean, it's it's easier said than done. But um, you know, we have to align and assign. Um, if we can do that, we'll be able to compete. But if we get misaligned or guys miss an assignment, they're the they're the type of team that will take advantage and, and make you pay. Um, from an offensive standpoint, our offense, you know, we'll, like I said, we'll see what their their depth chart is, who's where, and make our decisions. You know, based on that, when that comes through earlier in the week, in the, probably the coming days. Nice to see your run game in that in this game get some work as well with Will Young back there. When we were talking about you guys preseason, we were unsure of what your running game would look like, and it's yeah, nice to yeah. see that it's just not Jabari carrying the load back there as a, as a running QB. It's nice to yeah, see yeah. Will Young back there as well. You know, toting that rock. Yeah, it was great. We had I think thirty five team carries um 11 from will i think it was 10 from jabari two from our backup quarterback rasmus um and then six and six from both of our finished running backs so no one carried it a lot but everyone was able to you know get the ball get some yards have a nice average per carry just getting the flow of that game speed and uh, also for us kind of ease will back into the mix of things and get his feet under him before you know, maybe in the next coming weeks, he starts taking on a, a bigger role and, and bigger load in the coming games. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me on AFF. Any final words, any last words that you want to say on the podcast before you leave us? No, man, I just appreciate you having me. Always great stuff you guys do. And uh, I'm just looking forward to uh, getting this Maple League season more underway as we as we progress throughout the summer. So I'm excited things are happening and I'm just excited football is back to a full normal post-COVID, you could say, schedule. So. <laughs> yeah, aren't we all? I'm, I'm definitely sure this is one of the games that we earmark to be one to watch this season. You know, Wolverines and, and Steelers, it's going to be a good one. And I can't wait to see it. I wish you all the best, uh, Coach Mike. And I can't wait to see what you bring and how the game goes. And, and again, thank you very much for coming on the show and taking time out to uh, talk to me today. Of course, man. Anytime, man. And it should be a good one on Saturday. Thanks for, thanks for everything. No worries. All the best. Calling all junior skills players, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, linebackers, quarterbacks, and safeties, if you were born between 2009 and 2003, this midsummer is your opportunity to shine. We'll be hosting our annual AFF Nordic Challenge 7 vs. 7 tournament in Lati on June 22nd. 
Top performers will be selected for the AFF Revolution teams in Divisions U19, U17, and U15. These teams will have the chance to compete throughout Europe in the fall and play for the European Championship the following spring. If that isn't enough, there will be USA coaches in attendance scouting for their respective high schools and colleges. Due to field availability, registration will close once we meet the maximum number of participants. So head over to the website and sign up today. Registration can be completed at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash Nordic dash challenge. So now it's time for the tough questions. Let's ask some tough questions from the games that are upcoming this week. The first game is going to be on Thursday. It's going to be the UNC Crusaders hosting the Helsinki Roosters. I'll take this first one. First question for the Crusaders is probably the same question I asked last time. Can you survive the game? And basically, I just mean, do you have enough players that you can play this full game without injury? I think last week they got really lucky. No one was, like, seriously hurt in that game. So that was good. But, again, the Roosters probably going to have even more players than the Wolverines had. So can you survive? That's my question. It's just can you make it throughout the game? Do you have enough people? Where's the depth? For the Roosters, my question would be, can you play mistake-free football? You're going to win this game. It's probably going to be another blowout. But can you do it, you know, with style? Can you do it without mistakes? Can you can you score every time you have a ball? I don't want to see any punts. Even when you put in your backups, I don't want to see any punts. The second game will be Clipton Eagles hosting the Porvo Butchers. Q, what are your questions for them? Well, it's simple. Which one of you guys are going to get your first win and who's going to show the most potential after this game? Right now, if I'm the Butchers, I feel like we have a great chance. But at the same time, if I'm the Coca Eagles, I feel like we have a chance to make history also. And that's to win our first game in the Maple League. So this will be a probably more exciting game um, to watch than the first, obviously, the Roosters and um, the Eagles. I mean, not Roosters and Eagles, but the Roosters and Crusaders, but yeah, this butchers and this butchers and Eagles game is, is going to be interesting. Let's see if the Eagles can come out and show something different than what they showed this past week. And Butcher's question for you would be: Are you going to show us why you're here? You know, mm-hmm. are you going to show us why you're here? I don't want to see Brandon Grinner just get beat up all season for nothing. So, if you want to get on the wins column, this is a game to do it. It'll get your confidence going, and they'll get there. So, let's see what you got. The last game is Helsinki Wolverines hosting Corpio Steelers. Q, you got a question for the Wolverines? Ooh. <laughs> this is a – are you ready to be the top dog? That's my question for them. Are you ready to be the top dog? That game, yes, it is another game. It's early in the season. But you get to see how you stand up against a giant. And I'll call them that because they've been yet to be defeated. So I'll call the Corpio still the giant. So Corp, I don't want the Corpio fans to think that I don't think that they're good because I think some of them might be like, oh, you know, if you're a rooster guy. And I like to tell people all the time, I'm not a roosters guy. I'm a I'm a football ambassador. I disagree 100% <laughs> with what he just said. This I'm guy loves talking roosters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course, but, but, you know, for what reasons. But I also like other teams, too. Corpio just, you know, I've just been on them the last few years, which is fine, you know. But the Wolverines need to show if they're ready or not. I don't want to talk talk about the past too much, but we know what we've seen before. 
when these guys played each other. I think Corpio is an oil machine at this point. And the Wolverines know exactly what they're going to do. So my question would be, are you ready to be the top dog? I mean, not just mentally, but are you physically going to go out here and match up across the board with Corpio? Is your coaching on the level it needs to be to beat Corpio? Are you, are you ready for the, the, the changes that you have to make? Are you ready for the adjustments that you're going to have to make? Are you ready to come and take over in this game? And that would be my main question is this. Are you ready to be the big dog of the league? Because you have to go through them to get there. Ooh, because my question might be a little, ooh, a little, a little tough for some people. But I'm, I'm trying to remember. It. I know that in this last game, the Wolverines didn't have any of their. They only had one of their possible three Americans, technical American counts against the A. I don't think they're gonna have the other two by the time this for this game either. And Martin Emos didn't play last week. I don't know if he's gonna play this week. Don't know if they have more people coming for this game than what they had last week. Just based off of the team that we saw last week, I'm not gonna make any projections of what's possible for the Wolverines. And because this, my question for the Steelers is: Can you put up a 50 burger? Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, I said it, and I meant it, and I meant it. I admit it because, again, similar to that first game they had against the Roosters, people out here doubting their greatness. People out here talking about Wolverines like they done won something, and they ain't won-ish. Now, the Steelers out here, it's a new season, so obviously everything has to be earned. So this is a game where you earn the respect that if you beat this team, if you put up 50 on this team, I don't care if you beat them 50 to 49. You put up 50 on this team, that's it. There's nothing yeah. anyone else can say for the rest of, like, no offense to all the other teams, but we all know what it is. If you beat this team 24 to 21, uh, there's some chink in the armor. People can say this. You beat this team 24 to 7, people can say, well, you know, they only scored 24 because blah, 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 blah. Q just said earlier in the show that the Wolverines got the best defensive backs. I call BS. I said you guys do, but both of these things can be proven this weekend. It can be proven. Like if the Wolverines defensive backs are so good, put them to the test. Put up fitty. They're about to. They're about put to up get fitty. You are super disrespectful <laughs> for, for asking if the Corpio Steelers are going to put up fifty points on the Wolverines. I know the Wolverines haven't won anything per se yet, but I got way more hope and respect for them guys too think that they'll let Corpio put 50 burger on them. I just don't see it happening. Uh, I ain't asking if they can just, let them. Not, I, I, not I ain't just, asking if they can let them. You saying can't as if you're like you said, can you put up 50 burger means I know you're going to win, but are you going to blow them out is what you're asking right now. Look, That's your question. Up, they, could, they could put up 50 and lose for all I really care. I mean, that would be, I'm not okay. talking to the Steelers defense. I'm letting the Steelers defense, you know, do what you got to do. This is the Maple League. People are going to score points. I'm saying the team that scores the most points wins. And I'm saying I think this is a 50-point team. I'm not talking about what the Wolverines could do. Like, I could go the other way and ask the Wolverines the same thing, but I honestly don't think the Wolverines have that killer instinct. That's not their jam. They are doing what they want to do, and that's cool. I ain't mad at them. I think they're a good team. But Steelers, I'm rocking with y'all this season, and I want killers. So I, I want you to go out there, and I want you to prove it. If the Corpio Steelers went, score 50 points on the Wolverines, I'm picking the Corpio Steelers in every game after this, 
even when they're not playing. <laughs> on your bye week, who's winning this week? Steelers. Steelers I'm going Corpio for the rest of the season if they put up 50 on the road. Not saying it can't happen. I just yeah. don't think it'll happen. I don't know. I got a feeling the Wolverines are different. Like obviously it's a different team. Yeah, we've seen some of these guys play together before, but I just I just don't think they're gonna allow Corpio to bully them. Like Corpio bullies everybody else. And I'm taking 50 however you can get it. Maybe they get special teams touchdown. Maybe they get a pick six. Maybe it's not all on the Wolverines defense. I don't even care. I just want to see 50 points on the board. I think you put up 50 points, there's a pressure to the game. There's a pressure. In this last weekend with the Wolverines and the Roosters, they both got up to like 20-something points really fast. But you still didn't feel pressure. Yeah. Last time the Steelers played, when they played the Roosters, they were moving the ball with so much consistency. And then their defense was dominant. So there was that pressure like, oh, shoot, this might get out of hand. And that's what, mm-hmm. that's what I want them to do. That's my question. My question is, can you be as great as I want you to be? Can you put up 50? I'm not middling in between can you win, can you do this? No. Can you put up 50? Mm-hmm. Putting up 50 is how you prove it to me that you in it to win it and you ain't taking – no breaks. No breaks. Wolverines don't okay. get no breaks. But my question is, for the Corpio Steelers, can you put up a 50-burger? And I don't want 49 either. I've told you about that. Go for two. And Wolverines, if you feel slighted by this, take it how you want to. I'm slighted, but okay. We'll, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on and see. <laughs> yeah, we'll, We will see. We will see. Right, Maple League teams back in action on Thursday with the UNC Crusaders hosting Helsinki Roosters. And then the Kotka Eagles are going to host the Porvu Butchers on Friday. And finally, the weekend ends with the Helsinki Wolverines hosting the Corpio Steelers on that Saturday. Our panel of football enthusiasts will pick winners from this week's game on our Instagram account at American Football in Finland. Feel free to find us in the comments with your thoughts. Right now, the rankings are pretty much everybody in first, Q and last. Everybody is 4-0. Q is 2-2 two and two mm-hmm. because Q want to do what Q want to do. And that's yeah. how that goes. Uh, Q's right playing for <laughs> Q playing for the for the long game, guys. He, he's yeah. Hopefully, what I think is happening is you know these early games are kind of predictable, but as the season goes and teams get better, some teams get worse per se. Parity gets a little closer. Look good, play good. It's as simple as that. Array Athletics will help you look good in their fully customizable team uniforms, made by players for players. Ray Athletics produces high quality uniforms for teams all over Europe. Rare also allows teams to design custom apparel for comfortable travel and workout purposes. Visit rare.se today to take your team to the next level. Stay sharp. That's it for this episode of American Football in Finland. Hope it's worth the listen. Q, any last words before we get out of here? I'm just excited for the next upcoming games. I want to see what these guys got. We, we're into the season now. It's time to show what, you, what you've been practicing on all offseason. Let's, let's step it up and uh, let's give, give the people what they want. I'm super excited for the season now. I feel like we really got a good season ahead of us here. As long as some of these teams get a little bit better, we're going to have some some competition going on. So really excited to see what's going to happen. If you guys enjoy the show, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And don't forget to rate us five stars as well. Anything less tells us you are a hater. You can follow us on the gram and Facebook at American Football in Finland. Also, by following us on all channels, you'll have a chance to win football merch provided by our sponsors at Rare Athletics. Be sure to follow the instructions in the episode description below. Until next time, never forget T I Yeah. There we go. American football in Finland.